You're listening to the ministry of Potter's House Church Wandsworth, a Christian Pentecostal church based in South London, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our call is to reach the lost, make disciples and plant churches. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk. So I want to start a new series today, and um, uh, one of the things that I, I remember a story, most of us will know it as a kid, um, the Cinderella story. How many heard of you? We all know Cinderella, uh, the story of Cinderella. I remember when I was a kid growing up, there was this, you know, uh, Disney story about Cinderella. And so um, the, 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 the thing that's quite interesting is that the Cinderella story, they say there's a form of it is as old as Basically, back in Jesus' time, there's a Roman story that they say that's probably the roots of it. It goes that far back. The version that we would know, maybe the, the Disney version, goes back to, you know, the, the, uh, these people called the Brothers Grimm. They kind of took all these fairy tale stories and they made them famous. And then Disney uh, made a movie on it. But that story has traveled all the way through time. And... Uh, when you say the word Cinderella, what it kind of, uh, it's an analogy or an allegory, should we say, that comes to mean that when somebody's attributes are unrecognized, when someone attributes, how many know that Cinderella was the star of the story? But in the beginning, she's unrecognized. She's covered in like tattery clothes. But at the end, she's wearing the glass slipper or the silver slipper. I don't know what it is. But, and she marries the prince and they go and live happily ever after. And so you realize that here is this story about someone who their attributes are unrecognized. I want to tell you, in the church, there is a Cinderella. And some of you might be saying, is that me, Pastor? No, no, no. We're not talking about you, bro. <laughs> in the church, there is a Cinderella, and the Cinderella is prayer. And what I mean by that is just like in the story of Cinderella, this thing is overlooked. Its attributes are not understood. Every, if, you, if you study church history at all, every revival, anyone who's done anything good, anyone who's done anything powerful as a Christian, they will tell you it was done through prayer. That prayer was the key. And how many of you here, you would, believe, you would agree with me that, Pastor, prayer is powerful. How many would believe with me? Prayer is powerful, you say amen. But look, look, most of you said amen. But let's be honest. Can we get real today? Look at someone and say, be real. How many struggle with prayer? The same hands go up. And so uh, just as a way of an announcement, one of the things we're going to do um, this month, last month we had a growth exercise reading the book of Matthew. How many enjoyed that? A lot of people tell me, I get a lot of reports, a lot of testimonies, how they, that blessed them, it helped them. And so if you didn't get involved, don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. We're going to do another Bible one in a few months' time. But this month, in the month of October, the growth exercise is prayer. That we want to uh, create small groups where these small groups, what they do is, you, maybe three to five people, not loads of groups, a different group than your Bible group that you had. You make this group with them, and then you put your prayer requests in them. If, you're, if you need a job, if you need healing, if you need someone saved, if you need a miracle, you put that in the group. You say, could you pray for this? And every day, people are in the group, they're going to commit to pray 
for 30 minutes every day. How many know we could all do 30 minutes? And I want to tell you that God is going to get involved in your life. That if we do this for a month, I'm going to tell you, it's going to revolutionize your life. And not only that, not only that, look at someone and say, there's more. Because you're going to get excited about this. This is going to be really exciting. You guys have been, this is going to be it. We're going to have some fasting. <laughs> See, that, that's when you know the Holy Ghost is in this church. People are excited about fasting. And so Friday, coming up, uh, we're going to fast for the one day's fast. And so uh, we're going to use our connect groups as a prayer meeting. We're going to transform our connect groups into a prayer meeting. And we're going to have prayer meeting in the connect group. And then we'll break the fast after the connect group. If you want any details, just ask your connect group leader. And then in two weeks' time, we're going to do a three-day fast. How many know we're ready for tea? Look, your prayers have been answered, man. Prayers have been, some, I was excited down here. Someone over here made some noise over here. Praise God. And so we're going to have a three-day fast. And so we're going to start Friday all day, Saturday all day, Sunday, and then we're going to break it off the service. I promise to preach short <laughs> on that Sunday. And the reason why we're going to do this, we're going to believe God for miracles. Now, let me just say this. If you are pregnant or you're uh, on medication, you need to consult a doctor. Don't, you know, don't force yourself. Um, but bro, you're not pregnant and you're not on medication, so... <laughs> Let's fast. Don't, yeah, you know, uh, maternity, pastor. No, 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 no. No maternity leave for you. And we're going to believe God for power in our lives. We're going to believe God for big miracles. You may have lost your pencil and you found it. Praise God. You want to testify? Wonderful. But we want miracles. We want the dead raised, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, and the lame are made well. We want miracles. And we're going to believe God. So... That's all what's going to be happening. And so this is why I'm preaching this series to kind of help us over the line. John 14, verse 14. John 14, verse 14. Very short passage of scripture. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Look at someone and say, he will do it for you. Look back at your other neighbor and say, he will do it for you too. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you right now for your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness. I pray, Father, that your supernatural presence would be in this place. Father, we need you, and we need you more than ever upon our church and upon our ministry and in our lives. Father, I just pray that you would take control of this service right now. Reveal yourself, save, and encourage. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Let me start by, let's get real about prayer, because Jesus makes this promise and he says, if you ask it, I will do it. And that's a big thing. But if the truth be known, like we said, prayer many times is difficult. How many know prayer is hard? Being consistent in prayer is hard. The reason why prayer is hard, because prayer is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual action. It's not just physical, it's spiritual. And we are not naturally spiritual. And this is why prayer is so hard. It's a spiritual thing. This is why private prayer is so difficult. See, if we ask you to come up on stage and we say, could you open in prayer? And you're like, oh God in heaven, mighty, omnipotent. And you start, you know, yeah, yeah. or you know, like you go somewhere and you say, could you bless the food, bro? And stands up in Nando's, God, you are eternal. You know, but the reality, in the morning or in the evening or in the afternoon when we're alone, prayer becomes hard. 
You know, you kneel down to pray and you feel like you prayed for an hour and you only prayed for five minutes. You ever done that? I'm going to pray for half an hour. You start praying, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying. Oh, God, this is, this is difficult. It's only five minutes. Because prayer is spiritual and you are carnal. That's what it is. Prayer is a spiritual thing and you are carnal. This is why we like to, it's easy to find people that will perform. It's hard to find people that pray. And I want to tell you this. Let me, tell you, let me speak to those that are in ministry, in a performance ministry. You're on the stage here, or maybe you do things. Performance without prayer is just flesh. And we've got to be very, uh, I have to be very careful, and you have to be very careful. Like I said, especially those on the stage, because your flesh likes to be on the stage. Your flesh likes the stage because the stage is where you're lifted up. Your stage is where everybody can see your talent. And I could be the same as that, oh, I could come here and preach, and after the service, you shake my hand and say, Pastor, you're so good, that, that message, and all of that. But I want to tell you, I've got to be in secret prayer. And if I'm going to be on this stage, I should be in the prayer room before the stage. That cut the amens in half. Prayer is not only spiritual, prayer is humbling. How many know prayer is humbling because prayer is admitting and displaying the weakness that you have? We don't like to be weak, especially in our culture today. It's all about being strong. How many know very few people take pictures of themselves on Instagram when they just get up? Usually it's like after you've done up all your face and everything's good and, you're in, and you want to show your best. And so prayer is what shows our weakness many times. This is who we are. This is why men in our culture find it so hard to pray. Because prayer is saying, I need help. And a man doesn't like to admit that he needs help. This is why husbands, I speak to husbands right now, many times it's difficult to pray in front of your wife because you're showing her where you're weak. But how many know we're all weak? And we all need God. And so prayer is humbling. If you're someone who's not humble, you're going to find it hard to pray. Prayer takes faith. You're going to need faith to pray. How many know... One of the things that I find difficult with prayer is that when I get up in the morning, I usually get up between 5 and 5.30 each morning, um, Monday to Friday, and then, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I usually do. And so when I get up to pray, things start coming in my mind, and I want to go straight to work. I want to start typing something up. I want to start texting someone. I want to start calling somebody because this is on my, oh, yeah, yeah, do this. And I have to discipline myself and say, no, pray first. Because sometimes what it is, is we, we think prayer is almost, it almost feels like I'm wasting time just speaking to God when I could be doing things. But prayer, if you have faith, you realize your prayer is doing things. Your prayer is mending things and going before you. But if you pray before your day, I remember I may have spoken about this before, but I remember when I was, sa I was saved about a week. And after I was saved about a week, the Holy Spirit started to wake me up in the morning and God started to speak to me and say, how many believe God still speaks to people? We believe that. We're Pentecostal. How many Pentecostals in the house? Amen. We believe that God speaks. Amen. And so God was speaking to me because you looked at me like God speaks to him. And so we believe. And so God spoke to me and was like, I want you to pray. And nobody told me to do this. I've been saved a week. And to me, it was strange. What am I going to pray about? And so I just got up half an hour before I usually got up, and I started to pray. And I remember the first day I did it, I went to work. Remember, I've only been saved about a week. 
I'm on fire for God, but I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to tell people that I'm And I wanted to tell the people in work, I'm saved, but I didn't know how to say it. Like, I didn't want it to be weird. Like, Courtney, do you want a cup of tea? And Jesus! You know? <laughs> so have you ever been like that? Like, oh, I want to get Jesus in the conversation, but I don't know how to get him in. And so I'm there, and, I'm, and so I go to work, and the day I get up and pray is the day I go to work, and, and, and someone in my workplace says, have you ever been to church? And out of the, I was like, what? I said, I've just started going to church. And they said, tell me about it. And I realized that in all, I could be trying to fight to witness to people, and God was telling me, listen, if you will pray, I will make opportunities. I will open doors. See, prayer takes faith. The other reason why prayer is, how, is, is so difficult is because prayer is so powerful. The enemy is going to fight you. He doesn't want you to pray. If you're neglecting prayer, if I'm neglecting prayer, you know the person who's the most happy? The devil is the most happy. The devil is, is happy with a Christian that doesn't have a prayer life because he doesn't want you to pray. Because once you start praying, that's when you're troubled to him. And so he's going to attack. You know, I used to hear people say, prayer is the preparation to the war. Let me, let me correct that. Prayer is the war. It's prayer where we fight the enemy. How many know we're not fighting people? So many times the church is too busy trying to fight people. Christians are in beef with people. The Bible says we do not war against flesh and blood. We don't war with people and personalities. What we war with is principalities and powers of the air. Many years ago, my wife got a job where she worked in John Lewis. And so when my wife started to work in John Lewis, we get discount. We used to get, I think it's 25%. I say used to because she doesn't work there anymore. They changed their hours. But when she worked there, she, she um, to get 25%. And that kind of opened the door where we started to shop in John Lewis. So we're like, <laughs> And so before that, it's Lidl's, man. And nothing wrong with Lidl's because she don't work there no more, so we're back to Lidl's. But for that brief moment, we were getting that 25% discount. So John Lewis was looking good to us. And so as we would shop in John Lewis, they'd have a thing. This, I got introduced to this. My wife kind of, because uh, she works there, she knows the queue there. So she, she said to me, hey, let, let, let's, she said to the woman, can we send that to customer collections? Because we've got some more shopping to do. So I was like, what are they, they going to do here? They said, no, 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 watch this. They keep it. So we've, we've gone to the store and we've purchased this stuff. Then they keep it. So we're going to go and buy some more shopping and maybe go uh, uh, GBKs, amen, be blessed, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then... On our way home, we can collect the shopping. We go to customer collection, we get our shopping. We don't have to carry it around with us. I was like, praise God, that's, that's clever, man. I like that. And so customer collections is where you go to collect, or should I say, customer collections is where they send your stuff. It's the location. So let's just say this is customer. This is the location of where your stuff has been sent. And this is, you're, you, you're out in the thing, you're shopping, you're going to the restaurant, you've had, you're going back to your car, and so you've got to go to this location to get what is yours. Prayer is God's customer collections. Prayer, in prayer, is where God puts the stuff that he's given for you. See, prayer is the location where God wants to give you things. God does not give us things without prayer because we see in his word that he says 
If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's just praising God in that text. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I've said this text so many times because it's so powerful. This is such a powerful text. I mean, we should just be like, oh, this is amazing. You should get out of bed and just be speaking in tongues. It says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. How many, how many believe the word of God? That means you already, the, the word of God is telling you, you already have every spiritual blessing. Think about it. You're already blessed. You already have every. Did it say some spiritual blessings? Did it say most spiritual blessings? It said every spiritual blessing you already have. Now, if we're honest, how many we're going to, that we're in church, we've got to be honest. How many would realize and say, you know what? Sometimes I don't feel like I've got every blessing. Sometimes we could go to God and be like, God, you said we would get, you know what? I should have every spiritual blessing. Where is this blessing? And God says, you know where it is? It's in prayer. See, it would be foolish for me to go to customer, go to John Lewis, purchase something. If I purchase something for the kitchen or purchase something for the front room and I purchase it, could you send it to customer collections? No problem, Mr. Lowe. And then I go about my day and then as I'm going home, I don't go to customer collections. I just go home. And then I'm sitting at home and here is this thing, I don't get it. See, I've got to go to this place. God is telling us, if you go to prayer, this is where I give you everything. Prayer is God's customer collections. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. You know what Jesus is telling us? If you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask, you don't get. Maybe there's some of you here and you're like, I don't have this. But God's like, but you, you haven't come here. You have no prayer life. You have other lives, but we don't have a prayer life. He didn't, he didn't say, if you just come to church, you'll get everything you want. He said, if you ask him, if you have a prayer life, if you meet with him in prayer, this is where God is going to give out and dish out Every spiritual blessing. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no power. An empty prayer room means an empty ministry. That means if we, we open the building at 2 o'clock, and really the strength of the church is the prayer room. If the prayer room is empty, then the ministry is empty. Because there's no prayer. And that's what God is saying. If you don't ask, you don't get and so we could do concerts, we could put concerts on, but if the prayer room is empty, the concert will be empty. The altars will be empty at the end. We can preach, but I want to tell you, a preacher who don't pray is empty. We can sing, we could, oh, that voice was amazing. But we realize many times, am I saying that you're not a real Christian? No, you're a real Christian. You, you, you become a real Christian by accepting Jesus. You don't have to earn your salvation. You are a real Christian. 
Pastor, are you saying I'm not a real Christian because I don't come to prayer meeting and I don't come for prayer and I don't get up early and pray? Am I not a real Christian? Am I going to hell? No. You can get to heaven by accepting Jesus. You can never come to the prayer uh, before service and you can still be saved. You can never have a, you, 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 hopefully you stay saved, but I'm saying you can be saved. What I'm saying is this, you are a real Christian. But let me give you this analogy. A real gun without bullets does nothing. A real gun, if it has no bullets, it is empty. It is powerless. And a real Christian without a prayer life is powerless. And the, a powerless Christian... See, nobody is scared of a gun that has no bullets. There's no use for it. It may look good in the case, but how many know it's useless? It has no use. A gun in the case. We could show it and say, hey, look at this gun, and I've polished it. That's how the church, many times the church can be, just a polished gun. It's just like, yeah, it looks good. We come and we, ooh, and we, ah. Oh. And it looks nice, but let me tell you this now. It may even scare some people. If I got up right now and I had a gun and start threatening people, you might, some people would run out. That would be very scary. But the moment we step into battle, you're going to realize that brother ain't got no bullets. The moment we step on the battlefield, this is why, sadly, sometimes we look good as a Christian, but we step into ministry and we got no bullets. This is why we can, look, we can look good and we've polished ourselves, but we get married, there's no bullets. We can, we can be really good. Hey, pastor, I want to do something in church. And we can allow you to sing or to preach or to rap or to whatever. And at that moment, we're going to realize, and you're going to realize, click, there's no bullets. There's no power. How many know God didn't save us for us to be without ammunition? God did not save us, church, to be without ammunition. See, the church was made for war. God has made you to fight so that you can walk in victory. God has made you to walk in victory. You, that's what God made you for. God has saved the church. The church is not this uh, holiday camp. The church is the place where we claim back everything that God has given for us. How many believe that? See, in the world, marriages are collapsing. In the church, marriages are flourishing because we claim it back. In the world, children are rebelling. In the church, children are excelling because we claim it back. The church was made so that God would put his name and his people into the hostile environment of the world. People are like, oh, the world is terrible. Yeah, the world was always terrible, always harsh because of sin. But God has saved you so that you would actually be in the world, but not of the world. And he wants to give you ammunition, and that place is prayer. Let me just kind of bring this to an end to show you the power of prayer. Acts 12, verse 1. Acts 12, verse 1 speaks about King Herod. And the Bible says that about this time, King Herod stretched out his hands to harass some of the church. And so this is this king. The church is in the beginning. Uh, and the king wants to harass the church. How I many know the devil wants to harass us sometimes? And so there's, there's times when you're going to realize the devil's harassing your marriage. 
He's harassing your salvation. He's harassing you. We understand what harassing means. It means to become an obstacle. It becomes uh, an issue. The devil could be harassing your finances, some of you. One thing goes wrong, another thing goes wrong. One thing goes wrong, another thing goes wrong. Harassing your health. You're going from the doctor to the doctor to the doctor. Because we have an enemy that is harassing us. And the devil is always going to harass mankind, but he really wants to harass the church. And so what he does is, what King Herod does is he gets Peter and he puts him in prison. And the Bible says in uh, Acts 12, verse 6, it says that when Peter is in prison, he's basically bound by two chains. He's between two soldiers. And there's a set of guards outside of the door. And listen, this is how so many times how we can be living is that here is this man, imagine that he's got two chains binding his arms. Then he's got two soldiers beside him, and then there's more soldiers outside, or more guards, the Bible says, outside the door. That's three levels of captivity. Three levels. And you know what? When you look in our life today, the Bible tells us that we have three levels that are against us. We have the flesh, we have the world, and we have hell. We have Satan. We have three levels. And so when you look at this man, Peter, this is almost like a, a, an analogy of life that the things that me and you have to wrestle with, that we have to wrestle with our flesh, that we have to wrestle with the world, and that we have to wrestle with the enemy. How many times we realize our flesh is holding us back? This can feel hopeless. This can feel like, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get through this, man. This guy's in prison. What did the church do? What do you do when you're in a problem? What do you do when you're in a hopeless situation? How many of you here, you would say, you know, Pastor, I'm in a hopeless situation right now. My marriage or my finances or my mind, I just, I find it so hard. I'm, it's almost like my flesh is bound. You know, the two things that the flesh is bound by is idolatry. It's one of them. And doubt. Many times Christians are bound by those two things, doubt. As soon as we start to preach to you about God can use you and rise up and break bondages, doubts come in. I can't, I can't do that. Or idolatry. There's things that you seem to just can't stop, that you know God didn't want you to do, but you're chained by these two things. They're keeping you from this victorious life. Or you're stuck between two soldiers. That speaks of the world. And the world is going to keep us in captive with two things. Either it, 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 it threatens us that we're going to persecute you or disown you or shame you. Or the other thing we've got to get over is that it's always offering us its lust, lusting after things. You could have this, you could have that. And so we struggle with these two things. Or the guards. Here is this guy, Peter, he's hopeless. And the Bible says that what the church did is that they prayed continuously for Peter when he was in prison. You know what's powerful is, look what they didn't do. They didn't go down to Herod and start to campaign. Herod, let him go. And so many times the church, rather than us seeing people liberated, we want another strategy. We want to go and, we need to go, we need to get into uh, the, the council. We need to, listen, 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 listen. If I go to a shop and, I, and, and, and you know, something's gone wrong, there's an issue, and I'm speaking to someone in the shop, and they're not, and they're not reasoning with me. Even the Bible says, come, let's reason together. 
If they're not reasoning with me, I say politely, uh, thank you for your debt, but could I speak to your manager, please? Can I speak to the manager? Because obviously I'm not getting no thing. We need, we need to go above this. So many times we're, we're dealing with the lower level. The, the church in the Bible says, no, we're going to go and pray. See, Herod, there is the king of kings we're going to speak to. Herod, you're a king, but we're going to the king of kings. You notice what they didn't do? They, got, they didn't go suck up to Herod. Please, begging Herod. Why? The church doesn't need to beg the world for nothing. The church doesn't need to beg the world for nothing. Here is Peter in prison. Chains, guards, there's no hope. They can't break him out. They've got no strategy. Yeah, if we climb up the wall, if we kill. No, 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 no. They didn't go to Herod. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray continuously. We're going to just keep praying for this guy. Continuously, non-stop prayer. How many believe that if we would be a people that would give ourselves to non-stop prayer, more people would get saved? There's people in your family, they're not saved yet. You've invited them to church and that's good. But you know what it's going to take? Non-stop prayer. There's some of you here, there's sickness in your body. You're like, pastor, the doctor, this, let me tell you what's going to happen. Non-stop prayer. There's obstacles in our lives that we say, you know what, we need broken. God is showing us the church, non-stop prayer. The word continuous prayer, what it means is they didn't stop, there's no intervals, they just said, we're going to pray. They did not give up. Some of you started to pray, but we give up after a while. Non-stop prayer. Set this guy free. What it means is zealous prayer. They were zealous for prayer. I'm looking for a church that's zealous for prayer. Are you zealous for prayer? Do you get up on a Sunday and say, you know what, two o'clock, that building is open for prayer. I'm coming there to pray. God, Jesus goes into the temple and he sees people selling in the temple. And he whips them out of the temple. He says, I don't like this. And the thing that he says, the reason why he doesn't like it, he says, you guys are hindering prayer. He says, my house must be a house of prayer. The word continuous, you know what it means? Stretched. And the picture is, if you've ever had, well, I know you have, you, you, try to, you buy something, you buy a packet of something, it's in a plastic wrapper. And you want to open the plastic wrapper, you start to stretch the wrapper until it opens. The Bible says they continuously pray. That word continuous means to stretch. Our prayer life needs to be a prayer life which we are stretching things and we don't give up until it opens. We're going to pull on this until this thing opens, until I get revival, until I get this job, until my marriage is in this position, until these people get saved, I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep contending and I'm going to have constant prayer. Let's just get Acts 12, 7. Let me just give you nine things quickly before I close. It sounds like nine things quickly. It will be quick. We're just going to read the text, and I'll try and go through it. They're, so think about it now. Peter's in prison, and they're praying continuously, and this is what happens to Peter. It says, Behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him. An angel comes into the prison. Let me say this now. The first thing that prayer will do for you, the prayer will bring God with you. 
when you pray, you will know that God will come by you. Some of you, 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 you're like, you know what? I need people to stand with me. You don't need no one to stand with you. You need God to stand with you. Because if God is with you, you're the, you are the majority. If God before you, who can be against you? Let's read on. And the light shone in the prison. The second thing that prayer does, it brings light into your darkness. There's situations right now that you're dealing with. You're saying, I need God to shine into this. Prayer will do that. Let's continue to read on. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, prayer will get heaven to touch you. You want to touch from heaven? The Bible says that the angel touched Peter, struck him on the side. The fourth thing, heaven will lift you up. The Bible says that the angel raised Peter up. This is all through prayer. They, these people were praying for him. The angel then says to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did, and he said to him, put on your garments and follow me. What we see here, oh, I've missed one. Sorry, do apologize. Yeah, I've missed a very important one here. And he says, he rise up and rose up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Prayer will cause chains to fall off. Ch chains will fall off. I mean, I like the song, Break Every Chain, but this is not even breaking. They're just going to fall off. And see what it says? They fall off his hands. What that means is that it will no longer hinder your productivity, your creativity, or the things you can reach. Because that's what you use your hands for. Let's move on. He says, put on the garments and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And so he says, put on your garments. Prayer gets instructions from God. He told him what to do. Then he says, follow me. Prayer not only gives you instructions, it will give you direction. What do I do next? How many want to know the next move? Prayer gets you instructions. So he went out and followed him, and he did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Prayer will make your dreams reality. He thought, that he's like, I must be dreaming. Imagine that, that God does something so powerful in your life. You're like, am I dreaming? Imagine all of your family and friends text you and say, we want to come to church with you. I'd be, am I dreaming? God wants to do that. What if that business or that job or that offer you wanted and you thought, I could never get it? Email you. You've got the job. Not only have you got the job, we've given you a promotion already and we've doubled your wage. Am I dreaming? This is what prayer can do. It makes dreams into reality. That's just seven. We could stop there because seven is the number of God, but I'm going to go on. The Bible says that in verse 10, then they, they went past the first and second guard post. Prayer makes you overcome every obstacle of the world. It's so powerful that the enemy, God blinds the... So many times we're blind from the opportunities of revival. When we pray, God blinds the enemies to our success. That the enemy can't even touch what God is on. So I'm like, oh God is... Listen, prayer is what does this. The last one... The Bible says that they came to an iron gate that led to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Gates are what keep things in and keep things out. There are gates in your life that have been keeping you out. Keeping you out. There's things that you want to do. There's gates keeping you out. Keeping you out. There's things that you that you, you don't like about yourself and you know, I don't want to be like this. There's gates keeping you in. The Bible says through prayer, 
It wasn't, uh, uh, they opened these gates. The Bible says, through prayer, these gates opened by themselves. See, they, when they came to the gate, they didn't have to sweat. Is it, could it be that some of us are sweating trying to push a gate, but God's like, if you would sweat in prayer, the gate would open itself. Listen, 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 listen. Prayer was God's customer collections. If you would take this time, God's really impressed this upon my spirit so much to make this message so simple that if you would just take this month and say, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, I'm going to believe God. Me and my wife, we, we said, we're not only going to fast, from, and I, sp I spoke to our WOW team, our ministry team, and I'll share it with you guys. And again, this is not a law. You do what you want. You live as you want. That's just, you know, it's up to you. But we said, you know what? We just want to fast. We want to just consecrate ourselves to God. And as your pastor, I said, we don't even, we're going to fast from social media for a month. I'm not going on Instagram. I'm not going on WhatsApp. I'm not going on nothing. I'm not watching your thing. I'm, not, I'm just going to focus on Jesus for a month. Am I saying to the Lord, no, do what you want. But for me and my household, I need revival. I need, I'm not content. You know why I'm not content? Because there's so many empty seats in this building. We've barely scratched the surface of what we can do in this building. I'm not content because there's still young people that are uh, wasting their life on drugs and gangs. There's still young women that are lost and having abortions. There's still people that every night, they're, uh, uh, they're getting drunk and living their life for emptiness. I'm not content. I thank God for what he's done and he's given me more than I deserve and we're having impact, but I believe more. I'm not content with my financial position or my business position or my, my mental position. I want more. And my Bible says, God said this to me, if you will ask me, I will give it. Are you going to ask him? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope you've been blessed, edified and challenged by the sermon to reach the lost and make disciples. For more information on what we do and who we are, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk.